welcome to the Explorate Podcast. the Explorative Podcast. I am your host, Rob, and joining me tonight again is Drexy. Welcome back, Drexy. Hey, hey, Rob. How's it hey. going? You know, it's going well. I'm happy to have you here. I had to wake you. Did I, did I wake you? No, uh-huh. no. I was just uh-huh. having a shit because I forgot we were starting <laughs> at this time. and <laughs> I thought we were starting an hour later, so I thought, oh, I've got plenty of time to have a shit and stuff. Suddenly, my phone started ringing with Discord. I was like, oh, what's going on here? What a so, fantastic... A tone to start this off on. Yeah, you just dragged me off the toilet and I'm, I'm here. <laughs> wow, yeah. Now, I don't think anyone's going to start this podcast thinking that they're going to hear about Drexy's bowel movements, but we've done that. <laughs> With that, welcome back, Ben. <laughs> Cheers, Rob. How's it going? <laughs> uh, you want to share anything personal? No, I'm good. <laughs> okay, great. All right, yeah. <laughs> Even a lot of fiber, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Drex, you're always you're, you're the comedic relief we need in this the show. So yeah, we're gonna do just like a freeform thing because it seemed to be received well last time. So I I figured we'd just do this. And honestly, I think with so much going on, it's kind of easier to just shoot the shit about what's going on than it is to pick a particular topic. But with that said, the Aussies, being Sean and Dastatic, are going to meet with me and talk about doing Spice Wars soon. So. We tried to do it last week, but I guess Sean's power died or some shit like that. He made up some excuse and we couldn't do it. So we will have like a, a pretty good in-depth discussion of Dune Spice Wars because we've all played the crap out of it. And I'm kind of tired of it, but I think Daz is still kind of playing it in his rotation. So yeah, we'll talk about it, but just not tonight. So, hey, did you guys see the Age of Wonders 4 expansion reveal? Yes. I like the avians. Oh, that looks cool. Yeah. And I like the... I guess it's steampunk. It's steampunk-ish, yeah, for sure. But it's it's more in line with like the dreadnoughts from or the dreadnought race from Age of Wonders three. But yeah, birds with guns are pretty cool. <laughs> and it it seemed like the not only the the reveal trailer was you know like it was received well, but like the general idea of the expansion. I think it's Empire and Ashes or something like that. I don't remember. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and it just it seemed to have a lot of cool things. Like, and not only that was the the Gollum update that's coming with it, which we. We talked to the developers on the podcast about this, so they revealed a lot of this. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it's pretty good. So go back and listen to it. But they were telling us about, and they and they just revealed that there's going to be like an, an item forge, and oh, what was the other thing? Oh yeah, you can consolidate. You know, like your vassals, you can make them. You know, attack who you want to, and so that's the free golem update. But then the Empire and Ashes comes with like new culture and a bunch of new tomes, and you know the avian form, which is cool. I like birds. And, having birds in my game is pretty cool. So, and then there was so much, what else? There's been so much more too, like the, the millennia thing. Did you guys see the millennia game? Uh, yes. So it's been, uh, that's the new one by hang on a minute. Paradox? Well, prompt games, but it's, yeah, it's C-prompt. being published by paradox. It looks interesting. It looks like a, is it another historical forex basically? Yeah. Uh, oh, I didn't like the look of that. <laughs> oh, it look it's, it's hideous. 
It's ugly as hell. And I've, I've made compl- been talking about this one. And, uh, oh, hang on. Is he allowed to talk about it, though? So maybe I'm not. Well, no, to talk he was about just it. talking about the sc- uh, fonts on his stream. I know. He was- yeah, that's right. He went on a big rant about how they hated the font in it. And, like, I was like, at first I was like, you know, saying, who the fuck cares about fonts, man? But then the way he described it, man, this guy was getting into the depths of like font magic. And he and he had me convinced by the end that this was an awful game because basically it's got like a, a sans serif font. No, it's not got a sans serif font. He's like, what is it about Americans and having to use serif fonts? Like, I don't understand. They've been doing it since the 1980s. And he went into the history of the you know, American newspaper industry and how they use a specific yeah. font and they're still using it now. And I was like... I was just laughing to myself, like, what th- the fuck is th- going on? <laughs> yeah, I think being also being an well, an ex graphic designer, you you get pretty obsessive about fonts and Absolutely, <laughs> font yeah. layouts and sizes and stuff. But you know, <laughs> most people don't know this stuff, but it, it's there is a certain magic to it. And I get where he's coming from. I get where he's coming from. Yeah, and to his point, like I've I've looked at screenshots, and there is something that like just puts me off like and it's not just the graphics i think it is the ui and the the fonts there and you don't you know you, you're not able to articulate it the way that daz can because you're just like you're looking at it and you're like ah, i don't like it but then he can like break it down and he did he did a great job breaking it down to make it seem or just to help me understand what it is i didn't like about it and it's it's not only just that like i i've been complaining too on every forum and you know in their discord and everything that the the game just looks like you know even worse than civ 5 you know, there's like this weird muddiness to it. There's like a blurriness. And if you're, if you're, I know like the, the, the I, I mean, I, I just want to cut myself off a little bit and say like, I know Forex games are about mechanics and gameplay, but uh, yeah, to a point, like at least, especially for someone like us, right. Where we've played all of them really. And you know, there has to be more to it than just unique gameplay. Yeah. The other thing is, of course, if you make your game look loads like something that you've played like 300 hours of already, is that a smart move? Right, sure yeah. <laughs> I, you know. Am I just playing Civ again? Exactly. Okay. Right. Like, you know, because like, I'm one of those guys who's like, oh, I don't really care so much about graphics. But there is an undeniable psychological thing where you feel like you've played something already. And I think that's a bit dangerous. Yeah, that's actually a really excellent way of putting it. I think by just looking at the screenshots, it feels like, I yeah, I've played this game before, even if it's something entirely unique. And I know that there are like things that they're trying to do. I don't know if you guys have read their dev diaries, but like the the ages that you, you know, run into, like, you know, you go, go beyond the Bronze Age and then into the Iron Age. And once you hit the Iron Age, you can actually go like two different ways. You know, you can go the hero, the ages of the heroes or the age of darkness or something like that. And like, you have all these like alternate history paths that sound really cool, but the problem is that when you, like you said, when you you're playing a game that you already feel like you've played before, even if there is some differences and change in mechanics, it just it turns you off to the process. And for me, I look at that and I think I don't want to play it. But maybe hopefully I'll be wrong. It's the same thing with um the 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 Star Trek game, the Paradox Star Trek game. It's like well, yeah. <laughs> It's Stellaris with a Star Trek skin on it. I don't don't want to play this either. (laughs) Well, you're not wrong either. I've been playing it. And I do think that if they leaned more into what makes Star Trek unique, it will be a good game. But they didn't do much of that. So it's like, like you get, you you only have four major factions in the game and they're not, they're not asymmetric enough to feel like you need to play each of them. Like I've played them and, you know, there's some changes. Like the cool thing is actually the best thing about that is that the UI changes to be more like in line with 
the particular faction you're playing. So like the Klingons look, you know, much more warlike. Their UI looks more warlike and, you know, the, the United Federations of Earth, whatever it is, I forgot what they're called. But the uh, the Federation just basically looks, you know, much more like, you know, like the Enterprise, like very clean and crisp. And so that's cool. But the gameplay itself doesn't feel particularly unique for each faction. Then you also have, you know, significantly more factions that you could have put in there. And the gameplay just doesn't feel much different than Stellaris. It actually feels like a dumbed down Stellaris that is it's just not resonating with people. You can tell because the, the review scores are awful. To be fair, though, it is quite a cheap game. And I gather that it was probably quite a cheap investment for Paradox. So I know a lot of people like love to dunk on stuff. And I think there's been quite a lot of people going kind of, ah, you know, it's just a cheap Stellaris ripoff. I think if you come to this game not having not played Stellaris, you're probably going to like it because, you know, it's more focused and i've not played it by the way i'm just going on what people have told me and what i've read you know and i've been following it quite closely because i was interested to see how it was going to do and i think you know there's guys in our community who really like it and they're you know most of them are star trek fans but they're saying that they think it's actually quite good it's just you know obviously like any paradox game it's kind of a bit janky on release so it needs work but the the foundation is there it just needs a bit more time maybe well what gets me is that they they've clearly used an earlier engine probably an engine like or like I'd say, like even just the UI improvements of a, of a build maybe a year ago, or even even before that. And so, like a lot of the things that we now enjoy about Stellaris, some of the like user interface and the usability and quality of life stuff that we appreciate about Stellaris now is absent from this game. And so, I feel like I'm playing an earlier version of Stellaris that, in a lot of ways, doesn't feel as you know I don't know. I, again, I'm not a big Stellaris fan, but I just feel like it doesn't feel like is is branching and is unique i do like the fact that they added the the like mission uh i think they're called missions like the mission branching system that they've used in like you know hearts of iron and even now europe universalis and and stuff like that so that's cool and i I think they've done other stuff that's really cool and they they have leaned in more to like a narrative experience which i appreciate but i just think that it wasn't ready and i wish that they had put but you know it's wild though. And just the first 10 minutes here, we've already talked about, we've talked about three different paradox games and it just occurred to me that like paradox is kind of killing it when it comes to Forex stuff. Like they're really leaning into this Forex and grand strategy, you know, that's all they, they'd really do now, but they've really kind of taken in a lot more Forex games. I mean, the millennia thing is definitely very much historically Forex and honestly, Star Trek infinite feels more Forex ish than Stellaris in some ways. Although now I'm thinking about it, it's kind of, no, it's the same. It just feels very much like Stellaris. What am I talking about? But then they've also got Age of Wonders, right? Like, you know, they they, they just announced the Age of Wonders expansion, and that's definitely more 4X than they're used to. So, I don't know. It's cool to, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge Paradox fan in that I don't really like the way they run their stuff in some ways. And, man, I almost don't want to say this, but, like, they're, they're a little bit too, like, uh, heavy-handed, should I say, with their their moderation and concern for people's feelings. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that like you shouldn't be like, you know, concerned for, for like trolling or shitty remarks or like, you know, troll attacks on their discords, but like heaven forbid you say something that might be like misconstrued in some wild way. And they like, I mean, I've been banned, not banned, but like, I guess, yeah, banned, like partially banned. And they're, they're discords before, because I've said stuff that like, you know, someone took offense to and thought that I was like, you know, like gender baiting or something. I don't know. It was just like weird really? stuff. Yeah. I don't really, because, right, okay, this is going to, 
this is going to tie in a little bit with you know this topic. They've just ditched Hairbrain Schemes, um, who did their Battletech game. And I didn't realize, but HBS were actually founded by one of the original guys from Faza, who did the original Battletech board game. And they also made Shadowrun as well, the RPG, the original RPG. And I'm not going to go into this too deeply, because it's kind of getting into the politics thing a little bit. But Hairbrain Schemes were very, very heavy-handed about criticism of the of Battletech when it came out they kind of put some controversial stuff in there for some people and when there was the inevitable backlash about it they were re- they literally just went on a banning spree on um you know on steam and just kind of blanket banned people just for making a comment or you know like asking questions that they didn't really like and i found i actually thought at the time that paradox were quite reasonable um because they were they were sort of like you know moderating it fairly well whereas hbs themselves were like really really bad um but yeah i just thought it was kind of interesting that because lamplighters league seems to have not sold very well and uh yeah kind of paradox have made the decision to kind of cast it loose already which is i mean you know to I do feel bad for the studio actually because they've obviously worked on this game and now this game's come out and it's not done very well and kind of literally within days Paradox are like oh well you know it's not sold well so that's that see you later guys and I was a bit like whoa that's kind of brutal <laughs> I didn't realize it was so that happened <laughs> yeah that's crazy <laughs> yeah it's well it, it's I mean the official wording is that I guess Hairbrain Schemes was trying to pitch a game that was within like the same genre, I guess, or like same, yeah, I think same genre as Her- uh, the Lamplighter League, whatever it's called. And Paradox said no, and so they agreed to part ways. But it's very, you know, coincidental when just a few days ago Paradox was on some conference call or whatever it is, and they were like basically like Hairbrain schemes let us down, <laughs> you know, like everything about this game was a failure, and. You know, I I don't know. It it just seems like Paradox is very quick to let go of people or let go of you know development groups that are are just not performing well. They're just like oh whatever, I'm out. I think the industry is in the state you know with the rest of the economy where they're going to be really careful about making mistakes and investing in risky things. I think unfortunately we're going to see a lot more safe stuff now because there's just less they they can't afford to lose money and i can you know i can understand that you want to make sound business choices no company wants to be losing money for its investors that's a terrible thing um so yeah i mean there's quite a few i think there's quite a few companies going through the same thing i don't you saw that creative assembly have cancelled hyenas which is like this project that they've been working on for years thrown ungodly amounts of money out i understand like building physical studios to to make it in and stuff and you know uh the 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 amount of money that i'm hearing that they've spent on that and they've just cancelled it is just absolutely wild and then you've got all the controversy over you know the pricing of the dlc in total war warhammer 3 and this the fact that warhammer 3 is still in a bit bit of a shitty state uh creative assembly they've cancelled a whole bunch of projects which we're never going to know about now because they're just like oh we've just cancelled a load of stuff including hyenas now how much did you spend on that you know how many hundreds of millions of pounds or whatever it was sega pumped into this like this absolute disaster uh you know don't worry about it <laughs> i think a lot of these companies are really kind of you know cutting back man well i, I mean from my experience i was in the beta i don't know if i can talk much about this actually actually i i, I don't think i can at all i'm forget, forget i said anything <laughs> don't get yourself yeah. in trouble <laughs> yeah i just i, I imagine the i mean I, I don't know what the no because i didn't sign anything I just was invited. So I can't really say, like, I, I couldn't show gameplay, but I think I can talk about what I experienced. I'm 99% sure of it because I didn't sign anything. I was just invited to play their beta. And I remember that I couldn't, I couldn't show anything, but 
It just wasn't. I mean, like there wasn't well, much there well, that was. We're well, talking about hyenas, right? Hyenas, yeah. All right. Yeah, I just. I I, 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 yeah, well, I, I just. I mean, I, again, I wasn't really. I didn't play it much. I tried it like the. It was like two, two, maybe three or four weeks. Four weeks. I don't know. Yeah, it must have been like you know mid September, early September, where they had like their final, what which would have been now their final beta weekend, and I enjoy, I played it, and I just was like, eh, this is like every other like you know PvP versus environment shooter. Like it just didn't feel unique whatsoever, and it just wasn't fun because so. you're not 15 anymore, Rob. Yeah, like, that's part of it. Yeah, <laughs> it just it, it, it just feel like a weird, you know, like a weird position or weird idea for a, a basically like a, a strategy game studio to start pushing. I don't know. It's just yeah. And, and to your point though, like clearly, you know, the economy is not what it was even just five years ago. So it's like you know these companies are starting to figure out like, all right, crap, we can't really, you know, we can't try new things, which sucks because I, like you said, it's going to mean that we're going to get a lot of the same old shit and. <sighs> It all went downhill, didn't it, when those uh, Twitter employees started doing TikTok videos about how great their day was. Like, hey, I go into the work and then and then I get this breakfast and then I go to get my latte and then I sit and do work for like five minutes and, and then I go to the gym. And it's like, you, you kind of feel that those those fuckers kind of jinxed it for everybody. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, way to, dis- way to torpedo your own gravy terrain, guys. But I, I kind of feel that that sort of thing's kind of happened in the games industry now as well. They had loads of money. You know, gaming was the is still the biggest money spinner in the entire entertainment market by bar nothing now. It's drastically overtaken cinema. And they had all this money to burn and they burned it on stupid things. You know, these kind of crazy, uh, you know, Moby Dick projects in a lot of cases. Or, or you know, like all more in paradoxes sense, they they just kind of more carefully spread their you know their their money out in loads of different places, and it turns out some of it's not working, so they're having to retract the tentacles a little bit and and kind of figure out what is more financially viable. Yeah, did you guys try any of the demos that came out for the like Steam Game Fest or whatever it was called? No, I didn't even bother with any of them. <laughs> Sorry. I, I downloaded that Sorum and Furum or whatever it was. So, I never so got around to playing it. Oh, you missed out. It's it was good. It, I mean, it really, really felt great. I think Did the you cool ever thing play is the original, Rob. Sorry, I, no, I no, I didn't. I never played the original. I I I've actually I heard of it, and I I remember like you know back when it came out, people were talking about how weird this you know like hell. I mean, strategy game. I, I guess I don't think it's really four X, but. I remember hearing about it when it came out and it was kind of like a cult hit from what I understand, but it was, yeah, it's a good game. I've got it. I've got it. You can't buy it anymore. I was lucky. I got a copy in about 2016 and I think it was when flash was uh, discontinued that the store stopped working for cryptic comic. So you can't actually buy it anymore because, because when uh, Adobe did, or whoever it was discontinued flash, <laughs> whoever owned it at that point, it's uh, yeah, it, it, all the stores stopped working. So like I've got my original copy of Armageddon Empires and and uh, Solium Infernum, but I, I watched a little bit of what you were playing. It looks really cool, man. Does Tactics saying it's really good as well? He thinks it's kind of a little bit simplified, but he says it's for the better. Yeah, no, it's very board game, but I think it's actually a lot of fun. And I in my in my video I mentioned that one of the lead developers, one of like the main designers. I don't remember. I don't know what his role is, but he he used to be at amplitude. He used to be a main lead designer at amplitude studios. And now he's come over to league of geeks and he's at least participating in some way with the design of Solium Infernum. And I just, I really enjoyed it. You know, I think you can still play the demo directs. You can just fire it up at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get around to it. I guess <laughs> I've got other things that I'm playing at the moment. So 
I need what to check that out distracted. as well, man. It looks really cool. What are you playing? Is it still Path of Exile? No, I've been playing uh, Distant Worlds 2 and I've, I'm also doing two games of uh, Shadow Empire at the moment. Multiplayer. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm like crazy into Shadow Empire now. <laughs> You're playing Shadow Empire. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, and I have been playing. I think what it was as well is Tony Hawk's came out on the Steam <laughs> store, which I actually have on Epic and I never played it there because I just hate loading that client. So I bought it again on Steam and I've been playing Gosh, it. I remember and, the original one on the PlayStation. That was a great game. Yeah, I realize how bad I am at those games nowadays. <laughs> I'm still kind of enjoying it. Yeah, I remember those. I used to play that, the PlayStation version all the time. I, I, I it, They're just remasters, right? Yeah, yeah, but they've done... They've, there was someone did release a remaster, but it was really, really bad. It was like a different engine. Well, of course it's a different engine, but the control scheme was all wonky and stuff. But no, these guys have done a, a real good job of them. They've included some stuff from some of the later games, so there are some tricks and things. But uh, anyway, let's talk about strategy games. <laughs> I, I've been absolutely loving uh, Distant Worlds 2 now. Uh, I actually took Ben's and Daz's advice and never go over two times speed whilst I'm playing. So, yeah, I've just been, it's just nice to fire up and just let it run and, you know, when something important comes up, sort of intervene. And just playing that at speed, it, it's, it's nice. You can, like, really have a nice overview of what's happening and plan more what you've got to do. I don't even, I haven't even been designing my own ships. I've just been like working out who I'm going to go to war with and what resources I, I need and, you know, which, which way to attack them and, you know, keep one side happy so they don't attack me when I attack this other side. And yeah, it's, it's slowly, slowly getting there. I, uh, when's the new, there's supposed to be another expansion before the end of the year, right? I'm hoping that would sort of bring it. But anyway, I think it's in a real good place now. It's not perfect. It, it still needs more um, more content. But yeah, the new races are really good. And I'm just disappointed they ha- still haven't updated the uh, original races. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. It sounds like it's, you know, it's, you're saying it's not quite there. But it sounds like it's there. Actually, if you're enjoying it, you're actually getting into that part of the game where you know, you're picking and choosing the stuff that you want to do. And that's part of the design principle behind Distant Worlds is that, you know, you pick the elements that you want to focus on and you leave the AI to do the rest. So yeah, that's that's awesome. Sounds great. Like I know uh, Daz Tactics has been talking about it as always, thinks it's one of his favorite games. I've not played it for a while. I think I'd feel like I was cheating on Galsiv if I kind of booted up Distant Worlds 2. But um, I did, I have bought all the DLC and I'm, I'm going to wait until I've got a rainy weekend, basically, where I've got nothing else to do and then I'm going to jump back into it. But I hear really good things about the latest, is it the Gazurians and the Quamino? Apparently they're both really, really good. Yeah, uh, but they're yeah, lucky. You, going back to the original races, it just—it's such a stark difference. Uh, it, so really, you've—it feels like you've only got four races to play with because going back to the original races, they're just so bland now. <laughs> they really need to update them. I'm just hoping they don't keep adding new stuff before they actually go back and sort of spice up these older races. Now, I thought Eric Rittens was on, like, I, I'm pretty sure he was on a stream and either on a stream or in the forums and he publicly stated that, that that's a plan. Yeah, he. I'm sure he told us that they were yeah, going to do one yeah. race every month or two, something like that, 
when the first DLC was coming. And right. they've just not done it. And it's kind of really disappointing. Yeah, I'd like to see, like, especially, you know, like, you go back to, like, the base races, humans, and, like, something else. And, you know, you choose, like, one or two every every few months to, you know, revamp and make them as unique and asymmetric as the new races. Because the new, you're right, the new races, sound they, they feel way better. You know, the, the gameplay just feels like their style feels different. And, you know, I, I know that they were, they publicly cited, and I think you're right, I think it was on our podcast that they were, like, yeah, for sure. We're gonna we're gonna go back and make the old races as good as the new. But I am disappointed to see they haven't done that yet. And you know, the, the part of the problem is that I think we've talked about this before. But Distant Worlds Two is only like a couple, you know, a couple developers at this point. I know Elliot brought on somebody, and I don't remember who it was, or maybe two people. But there's you know, there's very few people working on that game. So it's just you know, the the, the not only like are the the revamps and the updates coming in slowly, but the new contents coming in slowly too. But you're right. I do think that they had plans for an expansion before the end of the year. I just, you know, we haven't heard anything about it, so I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But I will say the performance is really, really good now, especially the last things, the last performance update they did. It did a really good job, especially once you start getting later into the game. I've not really felt that sort of chugging anymore, which is really good. It's really nice to have actually fixed that now. Yeah, I think... I'm due to go back and, and kind of like Ben, I, I feel really drawn by Galsip 4 right now. And I, I know Ben's even more drawn in because he's working on the game, but like I, I've been trying to a, like prepare myself for the review. I'm, I'm writing that and I only have like 70 something hours with Galsip 4. So I've been trying to actually play through a game of the more recent versions. And I, I feel like that's my focus right now, but once I get through that and, Get the review out. I think I want to go back and try some Gal- or some Distant Worlds too, because I I never really gave it a fair shake. I mean, I, I did for a bit, and then I got kind of bored with it. And so, even with the new DLC and the new races, I've just never really come back and given them like a real good run. So I'm gonna have to do that. But there's just so much stuff. Like there's so many games, there's so many like new DLCs and all the stuff that it's just hard to go back to old games. Yeah, Distant Worlds. Two is the kind of game where I, I kind of wish that they'd put their best foot forwards when they released it, and it kind of wasn't, was it? I know, and I feel bad saying that because Code Force did their best, I think, and they just kind of, I think they misjudged the, uh, the you know, the extent of the issues with the game. But <clears throat> I think it kind of tanked the reviews, and it's a real shame. Uh, you know, they're they're really, I think they're kind of really struggling to to overcome those re- the negative reviews they got when the game was released. That said. It absolutely deserves to get way better reviews now because the last time I did play it must have been about six weeks ago. And like Drexy's saying, the the performance is a massive improvement. I had problems with that engine, you know, with that game engine or whatever it was, um, for, you know, right from when I was in the beta. And I just couldn't like, it just seemed to affect me and a couple of other people. But it turned out that when it was released, it was affecting a lot of people. And, you know, that was part of the problem, I think. And now they've fixed that and it's taken them ages. But like now they can actually concentrate on game stuff, you know, on game mechanics and adding new content. And the uh, foundation is in place now for a really, really good game. So it's always going to be that. That's a good thing about Distant Worlds 2. You know, it's, it's, it's solid now. It's only going to get better in all likelihood. I don't see how they can make it worse. I mean, you know, touch wood. But I, that's going to be a good game. So the more, if it, once it gets to the point where it's got as much content as Distant Worlds Universe, I think it's going to be a banging game, man. For sure. I just worry that it might not make it because it just it doesn't seem to be making the same splash and having like the same like fan base that the first one did. So... And I know that one had some time getting off. Like there was, 
there was definitely a, a period of time where really no one talked about distant worlds at all. And then, you know, by the time the universe came out, it was like, Oh, everybody, like everybody played it and everybody loved it. But I don't know. It just, even, even if it's, it's earlier states, like without some of the expansions, without a single expansion, actually, you know, it, it still feels like there's less, less of an audience. And so I worry about it's, you know, financial feasibility, but we'll see. And, and, you know, like I mentioned, there's so many games and I just thought about the fact that, I mean, even old world just came out with a new DLC where, you know, there's a whole new Egyptian faction, not Egyptian, sorry. Um, shoot. What was it? Cause they already had Egypt. It was funny enough. As you were saying that a patch of, uh, old world just started on my steam. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, I really need to play that again, man. It's been a while. I've not even got a copy of it on steam. I need to get it again. I'm not playing on fucking Epic. <laughs> I hate that browser so much, um, but yeah, I might get, I might grab a copy of Old World. It's such a great game. It's been the Kush, there it is. It. That's who it is. God, I was trying to think of yeah, the Kush. So, in and they've come out with like a new scenario, and they 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 release patches every week on that game. You know, like it's just insane to me that they keep working on it. They've got this small little skeleton crew that just keeps plugging away at it, and now they've got an, an entirely new faction. You know, so you got that, and you've got you know, like not only is Old World being you know frequently updated, but you know, the the Millennia game and Gas of Four and, you know, Zephon coming next year and Age of Wonders 4 coming out with new DLC or new a new expansion. Stellaris, you know, there, some of the new dev diaries recently have really looked at some of the old systems and seem to be making some really cool changes to that. Like the custodian system or custodian group is, you know, is consolidating like leader classes and doing all these things that I think sound really good and, and much more in line with how I want Solaris to go. And, you know, you got old world DLC, of course, like we just mentioned. And then, you know, no one's talking about this yet, but I, I really can't wait to be able to discuss it more is this aura history untold that's being made by Oxide Games and being published by Microsoft. It's, I, I mean, it's going to be special. That's all I can say is, you know, I just, I'm in the beta. I can't talk about, you know, my impressions. I can't say, what gameplay is like, but I can tell you that people are going to be surprised. And mm, yeah, cool. Yeah. And it I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I mean, I can tell you, I mean, we could talk about the things that are publicly available and that it has like a much more like, like city focus. It's almost like a Forex game where there's a f- more, a stronger focus on your cities and developing your cities than any other Forex game that I can think of. And, there's uh, there's just some unique mechanics that I don't know if been if they've been publicly talked about yet, so I don't want to talk about it. But there are things that R is doing that no other Forex game has done. And I don't mean to say like I don't mean to say like that in like some like hyperbole way. Like I'm not trying to like you know like, I'm not being paid by Microsoft in any fashion. And I'm just what I'm seeing is really exciting to me, and I can't wait to be able to like publicly discuss it because I think that some of the things that it's doing are going to be possibly mainstream things that that Forex embraces going forward. So I don't know. There's just so many things. There's so many games. I'm part of like three different betas that I can't talk about. <laughs> One of which is like gigantic. Oh, poor you. Oh, uh, no, poor I just, like, oh, when you're, no. when you're excited and you're passionate about something, you want to just talk to people about it. And you, I can't, I don't have anybody to talk to you about it. Cause the people that are like, you know, they're NDA, like, you know, they're all talking on discord and forums and shit. And you can't be like, man, this game is freaking awesome. Or like, Hey, this thing, is going to have this like crazy implication on the forex genre or like just you know hey this game is in existence like there's a game that i can't even acknowledge its existence that i'm playing and i feel like when people find out about its existence they're gonna be like hell yes like that's that's exciting and so i'm actually writing an article i know i 
Ben, I know you're about to talk and I'll, I'll give you a second here, but I am just quickly, briefly going to say that I'm writing an article right now because, you know, we, we talked about this 10 years ago about how there was like this golden age of Forex, you know, like roughly eight, seven, eight years ago. And, you know, we, we would we'll lump, you know, Endless Legend and Endless Space 2, Civilization 6, um, Stellaris, like some of these really big games that have qu- quite clearly, you know, reinvigorated strategy games and Forex in general. And I think we're about to enter into yet another, like, you know, quote unquote golden age. And so I'm, I'm talking about that in this, this article that I'm writing. So sorry, Ben, what were you going to say? No, no, it's really interesting. Um, it's kind of, I'm interested to see where we're going to go with this. Now, tomorrow or today, technically for me is the release of Galsiv 4. And yeah, usual kind of the usual disclaimers apply. Like I work for Stardock, so, you know, just take everything I say with a grain of salt. But I, I really like some of the things that Galsiv 4 is doing with Forex game mechanics and the way that it's attempting to deal with some of the perceived problems with Forex games, right? So, you know, this kind of whole core world colony split, trying to reduce some of the excessive colony management that some people sometimes complain about. And I'm interested to see what other games are going to be coming up, which are also trying to push the genre forward because it's good. It's not just going to be Galsiv, right? There's going to be loads of games. Like Rob's hinted that Aria is going to be doing something, in, or Aria, sorry, it's going to be doing something interesting. And I, I'm interested to, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating we're going to see a bit of a, a push forwards in the genre in general. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching your videos. <laughs> it gets me really excited about Galsiv 4. The problem is when I load it, I, I'm still struggling to get into it, man. I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, see, I was happy. Your when you videos told me that are you awesome. Were... Your videos <laughs> okay. are absolutely awesome and get me like oh, I really want to get into this game. But yeah, I've just <laughs> been cool. struggling to get like, into it because you were shitting all over that game. And I was like, when you said to me, "Oh, it's actually kind of making me want to play," I was like, "Hey, I'm doing my job well." Because <laughs> I'm going to make yeah. Drexy interested in in trying it. Yeah, that's what like, I said. Uh... Brad should give you a raise because at least it's getting me kind of excited for it. But uh, yeah, when it when the uh, is it going to be a patch today for it? I guess. Yeah, it's mostly bug fixes um, that, that are coming in. So right. I can't really talk about it, really. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Brad's been quite candid about what's in it. It's literally just bug fixes and localization stuff for the that's not, you know, that's come in over the last few days. But the, the game's changing so fast at the moment that it's really difficult to kind of finish a game off um, because uh, Brad, I don't know if you, like anybody who's been hanging out on the uh, Galsib Discord will see that Brad Wardell, every single weekend, all day and night is on there talking to people and he's like oh i'm just going to fix this and then he'll show you a screenshot of what he's just done and then someone will complain about something he'll be like hang on a minute and then like 30 seconds later he's fixed it he's like like drinking shit loads of coffee or something and just blasting out all this work and you know it's not obviously not just him there's other people working on you know the other developers are doing their thing too but um yeah like basically that game is it's so different even in a month uh, than where it was so i think I'm just, I'm, it's really exciting to see how quickly they've banged it out. Like, it's, it's absolutely amazing. They're a really small company as well. This is one thing I've learned. They're not a big company, and they've really, like, the amount of, the quality of work they do and the amount of work they do in such a short space of time is absolutely fucking mind-blowing. So, yeah, we're kind of, we're, we're all hoping that it's going to do well when it releases tomorrow. Like, early indications are that it's going to do quite well. I mean, yeah, for my part, I, I would agree that, so, I mean, I have I have no skin in this game. I mean, like, yeah, they're advertising the site, but I, I'm not being paid to, like, talk about Galsiv at all. And I, I shit all over the base game of Galsiv 4. I really did. I, I think that it was one of the biggest disappointments for me in some time because I just saw all these unique ideas and these, like, clearly 
innovative thoughts and innovative mechanics that were just squandered. And I was like, I was just, I was really disappointed. And, you know, I, I, I may have released the review on Christmas day and like screwed with Stardock and Brad and I got into a bit of a fight about it, but you know, I can say this without any reservation and, and that supernova is a vastly better game than the base game of galaxy four. And with the, the most recent updates, like with some of the stuff that's coming in and you know, the, the real focus on some asymmetry for, you know, for fuck's sake, finally, like, you know, you have the, some of these races have unique executive actions. Some of these races have unique real, like significant gameplay advantages, like these new moths, you know, the phalanoids, they actually go through like seasons and, and during these seasons, you know, depending on which season it is, they either get like huge boosts of production and I think it's like food. And then the others are like a huge boost to influence and research. Yeah, then that's it. And it just, it changes the game. So like, it, it, it just, you, you kind of almost like switch your strategies based on this, these seasons you're in and you can do some real damage. Like you can, you know, once you get these boosts in manufacturing, you can, you know, you, you're, you're just an, a, a, like a, a manufacturing powerhouse and, it's different than, say, the, you know, I forgot what the damn spiders are called, but the space spiders, you know, like Festron. the Festron. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you got the Festron, and, you know, they're just all about, like, consuming things and, like, you know, like they're, they, like, eat aliens, you know, they're, it's, it's fun, you know, and they've changed drastically, by the way, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, they've, they no longer get, so they kind of, they don't get, the citizens don't get bonuses from, uh, improvements on the planet anymore uh instead it's all based around the citizens so uh oh, is that right i think that's right and then they have they have a, a whole set of unique buildings now as well yeah and they've got more executive orders like they're, they're one of the uh the civilizations that's had a big big pass and um yeah they've, they've got they're completely different now to the point where i can't i don't know how to play them they've completely changed <laughs> yeah so, no yeah. I, I agree i, I try to i try to play as them and i realized that i was behind the eight ball because they have like, you know, unique buildings like the hatchery and stuff like that, that I was like, well, and way more than that, there was significant, like at least four or five unique buildings that I was like, what the hell do I do with this? And I'll have to, you know, really focus on them. But I just, the, the amount of obvious effort that they put into addressing some of the feedback that not only did I give, but I'm sure, or I gave, but not only that, but like the, the vast majority of the feedback they've received from their fan base. And I, I mean, I'm I'm very impressed. I think that there's still some issues. I think, you know, Drexy will talk about how he's not immersed and he doesn't feel connected. And I see why that might be the case, because I feel like there is a lack of of external uh like oh, I'm trying to think of this. There's the the game doesn't create as much conflict as it should. And so, you know, unless you're trying to, you know, like min max or at least even just maximize your ability to like become a powerful you know civilization and you're working against your rankings and you're trying to like you know do the best you can with with tile placement and building placement it does kind of feel like there's not as much external pressure as there should be then i also kind of feel like the only interactions with the alien races being you know like trade with me constantly trade with me trade with me trade with me you know, doesn't feel immersive in my opinion. Like I would love to, and I've said this to Brad so many times, I'd love for the AI to just come at me and be like, you know, I don't know, just talk shit, you know, and, and say stuff that like, or just, you know, like, Hey, I really like what's going on or anything. There's very little of that. And I want more of that kind of stuff, but I see Galsif 4 being the best that the Galactic Civilization series has ever been at this point, because it's just, it's moved in such a, um, an amazing direction that I, 
And I, I, I really feel like they finally have a finger on the pulse of what needs to be happening and what needs to change to make the game good. That, you know, people like you, Ben, thank you for, for being over there and, and making a good game. Cause I really think that, you know, it could be the beginning of, of a really good, a really, really good 4X game. Yeah, I think my my biggest uh, problem is because I played maybe 70 to 80 hours of the original game when we first did the podcast about it. And it's, it's left such a sour taste in my mouth that it's, yeah, I, I kind of wish I'd never even played it until Supernova. Because, yeah, it put just put in, I don't know, once I, I'm put off by something, it's really hard for me to get back in. But I will definitely give it a go once, you, you know, this final releases out or whatever i might even start before that i might start tonight or something but yeah like i said ben's videos every time i watch ben's videos it's like oh this sounds so good yeah so it's like i'm conflicted with my previous many memories of pre-supernova and all the exciting stuff ben talks about and how uh, i say the race the what they've done with the races and the asymmetries yeah, really, really good. It's like, oh man, that sounds so good. <laughs> well, that's cool. Stop it. <laughs> well, like, you know, like I'm trying to find the, I'm trying to show what's in the game, and I think a, there's a tendency with Galsiv. I think if you've played a lot of it, just to sort of like lean into the min maxing because it's good. It's a good min maxing game to a point, but like Rob says, there is a little bit of lack of you know, really hardcore AI pressure, I think, in the game at the moment. It's it's a bit varied. Like, I've had a couple of games where it's been really tough and the AI's been on it and it's done really well. And then I've had other, a couple of games where it's kind of been a little bit disappointing towards the end because it's felt like the AI's had a lot to kind of offer, you know, in, with regards to a lot of stuff to fight, or, you know, a lot of colonies to take over. But then I've kind of steamrolled rolled it a little bit too easy. So, I mean, that's all stuff that I think that you're not really going to see until right at the end you know kind of late in the late game really so i don't know like i think that, that there's time to there's time to kind of like you know work on that but i don't i don't think it's a kind of showstopper as i'd say i think it's it's just one of these things that i think if you're good at the game like if you've learned like i'm quite good at it now because i play it every day basically i have to play it quite a lot for work so i've gotten good and i'm quite, I'm quite good at playing the game quite quickly as well so i have to you know if i'm if i'm playing properly and i'm min maxing then i have to bump the difficulty right up really um and then it gets to the point where the the artificial bonuses that the ai have is yeah i mean you put it on impossible and the ai's got like massive movement bonuses they're basically like brad's put that in there for people who play the game hardcore and they're trying to you know they're super min maxes and he wants to give them a challenge but it's very difficult to do that with with an ai with a game ai forex game ai is quite hard and galsib's like you know it's a hex game on with a massive, massive map. So the computation is kind of crazy anyway. The fact that it even works is, at all is kind of amazing to me. But yeah, I think it's, it's got some way to go, but it's 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 putting a, a good foot forward for release. And I'm pleased about that. It's come a long way in the last couple of weeks because was, there was a point where I was a bit like, uh, I still feel there's kind of like a few too many bugs. And, you know, but they've they've squashed most of it. I think it's it's looking in good shape. Yeah, and to that point, I still see bugs. I mean, I played the, the version tonight. I started a brand new game tonight, and I know that the version that I'm playing right now is basically a release version. And I still see stuff, you know, like there's, I, I pointed you out, Ben. I mean, I know you know about this, but like there, like some of the ranking stuff is weird. And, you know, there's still some jank and in some spots where like, you know, text doesn't quite fit in, into a certain UI element and, it's not awful. It's, it doesn't detract from the game. It, I mean, it, like ever so slightly, but it's not. It's not so much that I feel like I want to just quit. But 
you know, in you know, I, I I feel like I've should have been saying this already, but for those of you who don't know, Ben's actually the voiceover voice for this game now. So <laughs> when you go into a new Galsev game, and, definitely not going to play it now. Jesus yeah, Christ. yeah, <laughs> I know. I had to turn it off. But. It's kind of me, but it's like it's me <laughs> if I was speaking in a southern accent like Drexy. So to me, it doesn't sound anything like me. But I can, like, actually, the the. <laughs> let me tell you the story of this. I think I'm allowed to talk about this. Uh, yeah, I am because Brad's talked about this in public quite a lot, actually. So I know I can talk about this, right? So <clears throat> Brad messaged me like one weekend, and he was and Brad will be working all weekend on Galsiv, yeah. So I'll just be chilling out. I don't know, playing the game, or I'm doing you know just something else, and it's on a Saturday, and he's like, "Hey, um." send me some of your voice files for the uh you know for your scripts or something and i was like okay yeah why what are you doing and he was and he just tinkered away for about half an hour and then he sent something back and it was me speaking in like like fucking mandarin or something i was like what the what are you doing <laughs> he's like do, do you want to be the voice of galsiv and i was like uh i guess so <laughs> so like he yeah he's just been messy you know i can't really talk about what you know what he's doing really because it's it's an nda stuff but suffice to say he's put my voice into the game and it reads out all the event text and uh, it, re- it not only reads out what is in there, it's rewritten the event text so that it, the voice speaks in the same style as I write, which is mind boggling stuff. Cause he's obviously given the AI, he's fed some of my scripts for my, for my videos into the, into the, uh, into the thing. Sorry, Rob. No, I just, I want to cut in and say that it, that actually the script that it's pulled from, you know, the, the, the way that it's like basically like managed to recreate how you would write is actually better than the writing in the game. So I don't know. I've, I've mentioned this, you know, I've said this a few times that I'm like, Hey, I, I really want to, I really want the, the, the spoken text to be matching the written text because the spoken text is better. And so it's kind of cool. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that until we spoke about it, that the AI is pulling from your, your, your writings, and making your voice from your writings. And it's just wild to me that it's actually better than professional writing. Well, I don't know if it's better, but I mean, Brad obviously thinks so, but I, I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel, I feel bad if like, you know, somebody's written something and then <laughs> someone's like, Oh yeah, there's this guy who like, he's written a couple of like video game articles. Here you go. Like, this is his. <laughs> yeah. To but, those um, writers, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to diss you or anything, but it, it, no, no, no. It, it is really good. It just, I think the descriptive words you use and the, and the, like the, the text that you're reading out loud or your voice is reading out loud is, is much more immersive. Like it just, it feels more like it's more varied. Some of the, just the, like the adjectives are more varied and I don't know. It just, yeah. When I hear it, I'm like, man, I want the, I want the text to read that because it just sounds better. <laughs> That's some mad technology though. Like, honestly, like I, I thought the, you know, chat GPT and stable diffusion stuff and all this that we've seen over the last couple of years coming in, it's blown my mind. Um, but seeing how quickly Stardock integrated that technology, you know, from the, the moment that they got hold of the raw materials, so to speak, to actually outputting, uh, you know, the localization. Like, I think I'm, I, I, I'm guessing that I'm probably the first voice actor in the world to be voicing all of the languages of a localized game that's got more than about four languages. Like, I, I can't think, I don't think that's ever been done before. And so, you know, I'm like, so Stardock are knocking it out, man. Like, like they're the first people to put, you know, anything like Alien GPT. They're certainly like <clears throat> one of the only developers who are able to put a, a game with AI technology onto Steam and not have it threatened with removal because it's using all their own stuff. And Brad's serious about that. Like he's, 
at every step of the way, he's like, right. Like he said to me, here's what, you know, um, I don't know if I can talk about that. Anyway, let me just tell you though, he's super serious about voice actors keeping their rights. So he's not like, you know, oh, we we can just use this for anything. There's contracts involved and you, you know, you own, you own all the rights to your own voice and Stardock are just leasing them basically. And that's kind of how it works. So he's super serious about not stepping on anybody, not replacing people, you know, he wants to use this as a a tool to help productivity, not to replace people. And I, I'm down with that. I'm really behind it. Like I think it's it's a really admirable thing that they're doing. Yeah, I mean, all this to say, really, that I'm just I'm very excited for you guys. I hope that it goes well. You know, and for me, the written review will be as detailed as I usually get, and you know, probably as painful for somebody as it, it usually gets to. I'm I have nitpicks. I have things that I don't like, and I'm going to make those clear. But I do think that the vast majority of Space 4X fans, or even just 4X fans in general, are going to enjoy this game, and I can only see it getting better. In fact, I know it'll get better because there's already things that they're talking about that are going to make it better. You know, Brad just talked on the the public Discord about how you know they're really considering some changes to combat that I think are going to be great, and the you know the the way that Stardust always run their business, always done their thing, is that they've always constantly improved their game. I mean, shit. They, they released a, a patch for Fallen Enchantress like, you know, I don't know, six months ago, you know, <laughs> that game is like 15 years old at this point. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine that this won't be something that they'll continue to improve. I can't imagine that this won't be a game that will improve. And even as it were right now, if it never got another patch or improvement, it would still be one of the best 4X games I've ever played. So I'm excited. I'm really happy for Stardock. I'm really happy for you guys. And I'm also really happy for the genre because I feel like, you know, like you said, the the AI stuff is is moving, I mean, gaming in general forward. But, you know, more so, I think it, it applies to games like Forex games even more because there's so much content that needs to be created that, you know, using tools to create more in ways that, you know, just feel natural and also add to, you know, the the, the general like what I, what I really appreciate, and I'm just going to quickly digress for just a brief second, and then we're going to come back and we'll let Ben talk. But what I really appreciate is that like so, some of these things, like when, when things get, I know that Brad intends to allow the AI to create events, you know, based on their own writings already and stuff like that. And, you know, when you start to have so many events that you've never seen the same event twice, because you just have so many events that the AI has created, that shit's just, that's revolutionary. And, you know, the, one of the main complaints I have about the genre is that you always see the same complaint. There are the same events, you know, if you play long enough, you'll see the same events. You'll know exactly how to address them. But, you know, with this technology being what it is and what it could be, it will alleviate a lot of that. And I think, you know, them just leaning into that a lot and also making it very clear that they're trying to not step on any toes or, you know, do something that's, you know, even shady to the slightest is also admirable. So, very excited. I can't wait to release my review and good luck to you, good sir. Uh, cheers, man. Like I, what I would say is that I think the the AI, the AI generation stuff is really interesting. Um, you know, it could have been just a gimmick and you know, the alien GPT stuff, I still think it needs work. There's certain little things that I'd like to see. Like I, I, I think it's expensive at the moment for it to do the citizens as well. But I think if there was an easier way of picking more diverse kind of citizens, cause that's one, that's the one weak link in alien GPT. But really for me as a, as somebody, you know, like I was trying to step outside of my Stardock shoes now as a, as a games critic, looking at what Galsiv does, I'm less bothered about the AI stuff as I am in the efforts that it's made to fix core, 4x issues 
and it's not succeeded everywhere yet um but i think for example like it is the most compelling 4x game that i own at the moment in the early game without doubt it i i have to play the early game in in galsifort all the time right and i always have to drag myself away from playing it it's like right i've been given an hour you know to to get a game save or you know two hours or something and i'm like shit i really want to carry on playing this when i finish work because it the early game is just really really good fun the explore exploit ex uh, you know and expand phase is absolutely magnificent i do think the combat needs a bit of a look and i was really pleased to see brad talking about that tonight because you know I think that if they can get the combat on the like, if they can get the same innovation into combat as they've put into the core world colony split, which is a super elegant way of reducing, you know, increasing player agency and gameplay at the same time reducing potential micromanagement. That was genius. That was genius. And I think if they can come up with something equally as smart for combat that will increase player agency while reducing potential for you know moving too many units around. They're gonna they're gonna knock it out of the park, man. And I th- that's the really exciting bit for me. It's the core mechanics that it brings is really the big thing for me. Yeah, going back to the AI thing, I'm I'm really excited about it, but also kind of worried as well. I mean, we were speaking about this before the show, before we started recording, like you know, small devs being able to get artwork and translations done for a lot cheaper than they can, which brings more people and better ideas in rather than getting you know, sequels after sequels. But I think the flip side of this is going to... Remember when, like, asset-flipping games were, like, all over Steam? Well, probably still are, but I'm just wondering if you're going to get that same sort of effect with people who are just doing really lazy games with AI-generated graphics that make them look a lot better than what they are. That's the only worry. But then, of course, like I said, on the flip side, if you've got someone who's got a really good idea but doesn't have the money and the talent to do it all themselves they kind of now can or it's getting to the point where they can or at least making a really good prototype to show publishers uh, without really uh, much investment well to your point i know that steam's already outlined some very specific rules regarding ai content so i know that the that starlight's getting away with it because they're using their own content to generate these things so, but if you're crowdsourcing your content through like the AI f- platforms like ChatGPT and and you know Stable Diffusion all that stuff, like that stuff is not allowed on Steam, and you your products will be banned if you use it. So there's there's no real worry about like you know I, I don't think there's going to be those kind of like you saying like those kind of like throwaway games, but I do think that you know th- the one concern I have is that. You know, I, I well maybe not any concern because I think from I've I've seen this new version of ChatGPT and I don't know if it's like a paid version. I'm pretty sure it is. It's like a very exclusive paid version. And there was a there was a thread on Twitter about like the capabilities of this new ChatGPT like version or whatever. And it was able to program things. Like it was like it would say like you the this the prompt would say something to the effect of like how would I program in C sharp the movement of you know like something something whatever and it spit out everything you needed to write in in c sharp and everybody who is like replying was like wow that's exactly how you would do it and i do see that being something that's pretty cool like (laughs) and at some point that's concerning right for some programmers because if you can just like tell you know chat gpt or some ai like, how do I do this? And it like spits out exactly the programming for it. Like, I do worry that that might put some people out of business, but I, 
I, I still also think that that's cool, right? I think that, you know, that maybe even more people can get into gaming and developing because they can get some help from AI programs and AI tools that will help them fill the gaps in their, their programming and stuff like that. But it's, it's a, it's a, it's a wide open field and it'll be interesting to see where we are five years from now, because it's either going to be like literally revolutionary and life-changing or it's going to just, you know, kind of stay where it is now and never really, you know, like it has some effect. It changes things for sure, but it doesn't really like change my life. I think what Drexy was saying is quite, you know, right, really. It's going to bring a lot of issues and we're going to have a lot of, you know, new minefields to navigate. It will also, you know, lubricate people's creativity and allow, you know, a kind of allowing people to leverage their time better. I think that's probably a good way of putting it. I think that Steam actively banning everything that's come from things like ChatGPT and Stable Diffusion or whatever is massively short-sighted and they will have to backtrack on that eventually. There's absolutely no way that they're going to be able to keep up if they do that. Because... Right, I just don't, I mean, sorry, jump in. I just don't see how sure. they're, al- they're always going to be able to figure it out. Like, like, how do you? I could, you know, how do you, what do you say to a developer who's come along, you know, and they sh- they show this game with cool art? It's like, do, you, do they say to him, no, you didn't do that? Like, well, good luck. I mean, it, it just seems like a really, it's crazy. Now, I'm an artist, right? I've been an artist in the past. I've, you know, I've made traditional art, oil painting, all this kind of stuff. And I, th- you know, and I'm one of these artists who thinks that you either get, like, you know, artist, coder, you know, I, I just, I just finished a, a degree in a computer science related, you know, field. I did a lot of programming. Programming was most of what I did along with maths and computer science stuff. And so I've come out of, you know, I've come out into this kind of world where now all of a sudden people can use these AI tools to drastically improve their rate, their rate of, of work. And as our friend Delta V from Explorminate said, you either sink or you swim. That's, that's your only options. You either use this stuff and you learn how to use it and you do it quick or you're going to be left behind. And, you know, whether you like it or whether you think it's ethical or unethical is utterly irrelevant to the way that technology is progressing. So you either get with it or you fall behind. It's that simple. And I think that, you know, you have to, cons- if you are going to take on this burden, and it is a burden, but it's it's like carrying a, an amazing tool, but it's got like problems, right? You have to address the ethical side of it as you go. But just to outright say, no, 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 you can't use that. Why? Well, because it's unethical. You know, they didn't care about that when they invented the nuclear bomb, did they? And I'm not saying that these things are entirely like congruent. But what I'm saying is that every piece of technology comes with this ethical dilemma. And I think that, you know, you, you can't just leave it. You've got to do something with it. We're, we are, we've been thrust into this era now and you've got to do something with it. I think the, the it's not just an ethical question. It's um, a lot of these tools, well, some of these tools, they actually just go around stealing art from people and using it in to generate these images. I think that's probably what Valve are maybe worried about because, you know, it's copyright issues and stuff like that. But if we can get to a point where the AI is not actually doing that, then that kind of nulls that point. But, yeah, I think currently a lot of these tools sort of mash different people's images together to get what they do. But I think as it improves, these things are going to be, you know, generating their own sort of art without specified from what people have told them without actually just pulling loads of different images from the internet and mashing them together. This is kind of how nature works though. So like, it's like, 
<clears throat> back in the day when you were a train when you were you know in the Rena- renaissance period the first thing you did as a trainee painter was you went to you went to sit in the galleries and you copied the classics and you copied the classics over and over again and that's all you did until you were good enough to be able to go and do your own thing okay so this is how nature works yeah, anyway. yeah but i mean you know, i don't uh, think that uh, it's sorry sorry, sorry. That's different. You you are still drawing it. You still probably adapt changing it. The problem with digital stuff is you can one for one copy. What what will happen when it gets to a point where you can upload Galsiv four into some AI and say, oh, just uh, you know rebrand badge this, change the colors a bit, and spit out a new version of the game. That's the problem. You're not. It's not. Uh, copying in a physical sense where there's nothing those no new things people who make music they were inspired by such and such people who drew they were probably mentored by artists and copied them and then you know they've slowly built up their own style when you get to digital stuff this is where i think it's different because you can basically take someone's actual code actual artwork and reconfigure it a little bit with with AI and just spit it back out. It could play exactly the same as uh, Galsiv, probably have the same background code, but they've changed the top layer of paint a little bit. Just to, Maybe they've turned it into a terrestrial game, but in the background, really, it's all Galsiv 4 code. I follow you, yeah. It's, I think it's a, it's a valid point. I think the, the issue there then comes of intent, isn't it? It's like if you intend to copy something, then yeah, that's a copyright violation. But I think, like for example, with the art, the reason why it's an issue is because basically they train the model on the whole internet, pretty much. So you know, on, on massive amounts of artwork from the internet without asking people. So, and it, it was a specifically a problem if you say I want you to spit out a picture in the style of person X. That's an issue. I don't think you should. You know, that's a copyright issue because if you're trying to copy their style and it was trained on their artwork, yeah, then there's an issue. But if you're just using a general like model that's been trained on loads of artwork to do your own thing. And by the way, I've used stable diffusion. It's a process. You can, you can just ask it to do something and it spits it out, but it's not going to be very good. It's a real, you've got to know how to use it and you've got to be a bit of an artist anyway. And you know, you at that point, it, to me, it's just like using a, a different type of paintbrush because you are just using a tool. As long as you're not, as long as the intent isn't there to rip someone off or to copy someone or to, you know, to to mimic them in order to get something, I don't think it's a problem personally. But we're kind of diverging into an ethical thing, and like you know, I'm not really qualified to talk about that anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. Like I like I said, this will definitely be a conversation that we'll look back on in a few years and just kind of reflect on how things have been affected so i do look forward to i mean like i mean i don't look forward to all the hurdles and all the the new things we'll have to worry about and concern ourselves with you know even ben brought up a good point you know as as, as he stepped back from exploring to take on the stardock role he was saying that like we have to start worrying about ai generated articles and i was like man what, what are you like maybe that's a bit like far-fetched and then I started seeing some of the stuff the AI can write. And I was like, no, no, Ben's onto it. You know, there's there's going to be people who fill in the, the gaps with with AI stuff. And as AI gets better at writing and and you know, you know, it's even easier when when reviews start hitting the internet, right? And I can just pop out a, a review of a game that I've never even played because I can just let the AI consolidate reviews that are already out there and then throw it up my website, you know, two hours after the the reviews have hit and i'm getting traffic just as much as anybody else is you know and, and that's a real thing that's gonna happen so 
it, it's not just games it's writing it's it's you know it could be hell it could be movies one day i don't know it could be everywhere it's the kid writing his report for school you know they're having a real problem exactly. in education exactly. i mean that's that's one of, that's been one of the very first visual sorry one of the very first obvious signs that there's something drastically like happening because you know like teachers are having to figure out how to navigate this problem and we're entering we're entering uncharted waters with it all well i think the genie's out of the bottle really and <laughs> you're not going to be able to stop it well absolutely uh, like like you said ben what del v said just sink or swim you know people have to change their mindset to where now instead of being a really creative writer or whatever maybe you have to be a creative writer but being able to um, interface or what's the right word, being able to use AI on top of your your innate abilities to still be above everyone else. Absolutely. I think you that's are, what that's, it's going to be. You're dead right. And, and that is what's going to happen. All you'll get is the creative types who are already, who are the kind of people who are already excelling in their field. It's just going to p- push them to go even higher and they've got the tools to be able to do it. You, just because you can get somebody who's got no skill whatsoever to to piss out a, a quick picture in stable diffusion that's got, you know, people with six fingers and, you know, deformed kind of like horror face, that that isn't a threat really to anyone, you know, like regard, apart from the copyright issues we've talked about. That's not going to be affecting professional artists particularly. I think what's all that's going to happen is this is just better tools for people who are already like-minded and productive, you know, and conscientious, the kind of people who are already going to be, you know, the top of their game anyway. It's just going to enable them to work better, hopefully. <laughs> I, I might be wrong. I mean, this might be Armageddon and we're just like walking closed eyes into it. I'm, I'm an eternal optimist, though. And I think a bit of Brad's, Brad Wardell's kind of like attitude about it was rubbed off on me a little bit too. I was always optimistic about it, but actually have, now I've seen how it can be used and how it can be used to quickly create really good content when you are when you are using it right and you've got skilled people operating it. I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm sold on it, man. I think I think if we use it right, then it can be a wonderful tool, honestly. And it, you know, if surely you guys have seen some of the AI generated memes that are going around, that is a net positive for the world as far as I'm concerned. Because some of it is absolute gold. It's absolute gold, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we could talk about this forever, but we're going to end this episode now. But I think there's going to be a lot to talk about. I think that, you know, there, like I said, I mentioned, you know, I don't know how long ago at this point, way before the AI discussion, that there's a lot of things on the horizon, a lot of things that are already out, a lot of games that are getting expansions. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited about talking about all of them. And I'm, I'm really hopeful to hear more about Distant Worlds 2, too. So like, there's there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about moving forward and what. Can I quickly just say, maybe... Um... Eric can use uh, some AI to update the older races <laughs> in Dismos <Disney> 2. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, man, they, you know, they're, they're very few people. They need the hands. So, yeah, maybe they should talk to Brad about his AI stuff. And <laughs> Well, look, nobody's ever met Elliot, have they, right? I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't think he exists. He he's, might probably, be AI. he's probably AI, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Elliot's a very good AI name too. You know, I feel like that's like a that's a, a pretty stereotypical like AI name. So, anyways, yeah, there's still there's so much to talk about, and we'll continue to be here and you know look forward to. I, I've, oh, last thing I want to say, you know, I don't know if you've made it this far in this podcast, but I have hired a few writers. Uh, one of which is a professional award winning writer who's just in love with this. Well, first of all, he loves our site, 
and he is in love with the genre and he's going to be doing a big piece. And I'm really excited because I looked into his writing. First of all, his writing is fantastic. And secondly, like he's done both fiction, nonfiction, and like you know, just a, a variety of different writing types and it's all extraordinarily good. So he's decided to write for us and I've got two other ones, one of which just submitted something tonight and I'm, I'm reading through it and I was just like, wow, yes, we've got, we've got writers again. So it's really awesome. exciting. Yeah. Really exciting to get more content and there's going to be a plethora of it coming. I've got six people who have lined up to write two of which I know are writing really well. So uh, of course everybody else has to try out and they're going to send me their stuff. But there's one other guy who is, uh, he was, uh, is affiliated with a, a newspaper or something. I forgot. He's, I, I've read his stuff and it was also extraordinarily good. So I have a feeling that we have at least three good writers that are, you know, going to start contributing good content. And he's less interested in doing reviews and more interested in talking about like mechanics and the pillars of the genre and things that like, you know, a lot of people still, you know, they want to read about. So I think we're, we're moving in the right direction and we've got some really good stuff lined up and I've got some money kind of stored off now to help start paying these guys and, it's going to be good. I'm really excited about what the remainder of the remainder of this year is going to look like. And more importantly, what 2020, more importantly, what 2024 is going to look like, because I think now that we've got a stable of authors, we'll be able to start pushing out stuff again. So, Hey Ben, don't tell Rob, but really those rise of me with AI. Okay, two, two <laughs> I was going to say, is this new writer called HAL 9000 or something? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's amazing news though, Rob. I'm really pleased. Like I knew it would happen eventually. Like that, you know, eventually you would, you would wake up from, from your, from your coma or whatever it is you've been in and start going, right, hang on a minute, explominate's not happening, right, come on, people yeah. help me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did. I, and I also started running again myself. I just, I, I think I, I've, I've refound a passion that I, I was kind of lacking there for a second and I'm, I'm excited to write about it and I'm excited to, you know, but it, it pace myself. And I think that was always something that I never really was good at but now i'm i'm feeling like i can handle so and more importantly now you've not got a grammar nazi like me as the editor (laughs) yeah it's true yeah but more importantly like i I, i've got people like we've got like i said income which is important right and and more more importantly than income is we have people who are writing to are willing to write and are excited to write for the, the site so yeah look forward to that and that's a wrap for the show so until next time this was rob ben and drexy for explore nights until next time Keep exploring.